Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Um, but we are now live. From downtown Elmira, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show, and I have a guest today, um, and a couple of them lined up, and we have first Janine Parisi with the Eugene Water and Electric Board, uh, to, and we're going to have a discussion today about the great Ice Mageddon of 2016 here in Lane County. Um, those of you that are, might be listening from outside the area. We had a little bit of an ice storm here that was really localized, but really severe. So it may not have made national news or and, and even made much news beyond uh, the Eugene Springfield uh, media. But it was a really severe storm where uh, EWEB, which serves um, about 80-some thousand households, lost over 20,000 households uh, power and uh, all of our local utilities around here from Emerald People's U- Utility District to Lane Electric Co-op lost thousands of customers uh, electricity and we had trees falling over roads and, and um, had to clear roads and it was it was a pretty severe ice event and Janine maybe you can um, really quick kind of just go down the numbers of, of Mm-hmm. what eWeb's losses were and kind of where you guys stand today. Because after my viewers, this event happened a week ago. So seven mm-hmm. days ago um, is when yeah. the ice storm hit. So Almost so, unprecedented us for us. Um, you know, we had a windstorm in 2003 where we lost 30,000 customers. Um, but this is probably one for the record books in terms of the length and severity of the storm. So we lost, uh, you know, 11 of our substations had major feeders go down. Plus we had several transmission lines. So these are the backbone of the system, absolutely crippled. Uh, we called in crews. We normally have five crews working. We called in another 24. So as of today, we have 29 utility crews. These are four-man crews roaming around trying, town trying to get people up and restored. 14 tree crews, 20 people or more at a time standing and watching for downed wires, almost 2,000 in individual tree incidents where trees came down on wires. We've replaced at least 25 poles, and those counts are just coming in now. And we've done an estimated total of damage for the recovery, and this number is astounding. Uh, it's coming in at about $4.2 million so far. Wow. Wow, and, and you guys are just, you know, a single utility here in the area that serves basically Eugene, and you have some upriver customers and some mm-hmm. unincorporated areas immediately around Eugene. But that that's a, a an incredible that's a big number. number. Uh, just for context, yeah. in 2014 we had the ice storm, which actually looked a lot worse if you were outside. I mean, there was snow on the ground for days, and there was a lot of tree damage. Um, but that storm. Uh, Ran up a bill about at 1.8 million dollars. We're, we're more than double that in this one, and but the roads are clear, so it's deceiving. But this, it has been severe in terms of damage to the system. And yeah. I think one of the things with the ice storm is that we get 
you know, lines back up and then another tree limb will come down and take it down again. So it was like playing whack-a-mole for the first three or four days trying to keep things stabilized. Uh, it, it's been a struggle. Yeah, and even Sunday when it started to thaw a little bit, we were starting to lose trees as, as it might have just been the ice that was holding it up. <laughs> yeah, some of those absolutely. And then the truck hitting yeah, the we, pole on West 11th yesterday certainly didn't help. That took out another thousand people. So it, it's been uh, a crazy couple of days here. So, but we're feeling really a lot better right now. We are over the hump by a long ways. We think we'll have the majority of the customers back up tonight, if not tomorrow. So um, we're we're down below a thousand customers still out, and we're mostly at those onesies, twosies where we're doing single service restorations at this point. So we've got a couple more pockets in uh, West Eugene out your way, um, and in the South Eugene Hills. But we're thinking we're getting them back up tonight. So we're feeling much better about it. Yeah, and that you know that's kind of reflected in that um, the county is closing down their and the city of Eugene are closing down their um, mm-hmm. information numbers to get people help that are still without power because uh, the calls mm-hmm. have, have have dwindled to a trickle. Um, but that that information line was really helpful though. We we got calls from some seniors and some uh, medically compromised people that were without power mm-hmm. that that really needed some help so we got some some good help to them but yeah, yeah this was I mean, a pretty incredible you, storm and, and you know those kinds of calls are just heartbreaking you, you hear so many stories about people who are just in such fragile and vulnerable situations and it's great to see you know this kind of tests the community's strength and resolve to see people come around and and find out that there's folks who are running firewood out to different customers or helping people find a plumber who's going to do something at discount or even just at the hotels, you know, some hotels offer discounts for folks who are out of their out of power so that that cost of incurring to stay in a hotel for a night or four or five wasn't so much of a hardship to people. So, you know, I think that really shows what the strength of our community and that feels good, but there it this it caused a lot of hardship. That's for sure. It's, it's more yeah, than an it, inconvenience to lose your power for a week and, you know, have temperatures in the 30s. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and some people don't realize that how much the electrical crews actually work um, in the initial stages of a, of a crisis like this. Um, my understanding was there were some of your crew members that went almost 48 hours before they, they actually got a chance to get rest. Um, and, and knowing that there's a good chance that their family was sitting at home in the dark. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how much how much time some of the crews have put in and what kind of days they're putting in? Well, those first two days, you're absolutely right. Uh, we had folks out for some folks out 38 hours straight before they're able to come in and get a hot meal and get eight hours of rest. And after that first push, we switched over to um, 16 out in the field, eight hours rest. But, you know, that takes a toll when you're out in 20, 25 degree temperatures and people were absolutely bushwhacking through, um, you know, devastation. I mean, the tree, if you haven't seen the pictures on Facebook of the tree devastation, the canopy that came down and you just had to basically machete your way into people's backyards. And that's just exhausting work with the cold and I, you know, I, I have mm-hmm. never personally watched an ICS event and I got to tell you that 
these folks are amazing. The grit and the ter- determination and the strength. I mean, they just kept coming back every single day and are going to keep at it till everyone's back up. And I, I'm just really proud to be part of an organization like that. And then there's all yeah, the behind-the-scenes people who are, you know what it's like when, you know, all the people doing the design and the engineering and the logistics, and they're here, um, you know, 30, 40 hours a day, a week. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm tired, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, because you're, you're, you know, right now you're playing the role of public information officer, which is not your normal role at eWeb but it's because you guys have to rotate who's in that role because they basically have to be doing that role 24 24/7. hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, pretty much. So we, you guys have to rotate staff who's our social in... media. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it's and been it's, frustrating um, for folks. Yeah, it, you know, they have difficulty getting a hold of you guys. Or, you know, And I've heard exactly. some stories about mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, EPUD and Lane Electric, where they were having, you know, people were having trouble getting a hold. But you know, it's one of those things where the system gets overwhelmed. And and but you guys are, you know, I know, you know, in our public works department, we have folks that were normally permit writers actually answering uh, phone calls from the public and taking down the the incidents mm-hmm. so they could get to populate the uh, our emergency uh, management system for the roadways. Mm-hmm. Um, with where where trees were down and blocking roadways, et cetera, um, so that we could get our crews, you know, organized and all that. And people play roles that they normally wouldn't yep. play in a utility um, you have during to. an emergency. It's like all this. hands on deck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everyone has to just come together as an organization and and do the work that has to get done. And you know, folks, we have thousands of calls coming in those first couple of days when we normally maybe take a few hundred in a day. And all of a sudden, we're getting thousands. And, you know, it's frustrating for us as well that we can't answer every call or get people the information that they want. And we understand. I mean, it's not that we don't want to tell people that when they'll be back up. But our system with the meters that we have in the field currently really are are not an asset in a, a situation like this. And we are really hampered to give people accurate and detailed information about their status. Uh, our system will say they're in power and they're not, so they have to call us back and tell us they're still out or we got to send a crew out to drive and actually see if their lights are on. It's just an, it's an antiquated system. And I think there's a lot of people in our community who are going to be calling for us to change that. And that might be a good thing. Yeah, which gets us to another show I did earlier about smart meters, but we won't we won't we won't get into the whole smart meter debate today because we're concentrating well, that'll on that'll be a fun conversation response. for another time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but I had a very good conversation <laughs> with somebody from eWeb about that about six months ago mm-hmm. or so when that conversation came up. Um, and, and you know, I'm well. They would have been an asset in this situation. Definitely, because you could, you know, the, the meters, the, the lack of connection to the meter immediately tells us your power's out without having to get a phone call. Um, so it's yep. it's. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the things you know some people don't understand is you you were able to get you know twenty some crews from outside the area, but every time we have a crew out there, we got to get an eWeb person with them that knows the system, which takes mm-hmm. you know somebody out of the office that might be a designer that knows the system, mm-hmm. or um, you know you know we start splitting up eWeb crews to to pair one person with another outside mm-hmm. crew. Um, mm-hmm. So I understand that. Um, 
there, there's a price that comes with borrowing folks from out of, out of the area because they don't know the system or the street system. Yeah. And they, you know, they get a, they don't know the addresses or how to get places. Um, particularly when you got um, folks that are, uh, you know, not necessarily familiar um, with the area, and mm-hmm. you've got, you know, I've saw plenty of street signs that got bashed down. <laughs> mm-hmm. So finding your way to yeah. uh, somewhere way up Hawkins Lane may have been a, a chore for mm-hmm. an outside group. Yeah. Well, they should have saved I our bacon. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. And they're still continuing to do so, and uh, and, yep. and particularly in the fact they're also probably able to bring um, materials with them to help repair the system because I'm sure eWeb doesn't keep that much um, replacement material on the shelf to rebuild Mm-hmm. Uh, that many lines and services that they had to do over the last several days. So we quite, actually quite had to send people up to Portland to get some stuff. I mean, we we ran out of some materials in this entire community, and we're going up to Portland to bring down some supplies of certain kinds of um, material because no one had it. I mean, we we yeah. decimated the supplies in some ways. So you're absolutely right. But those crews, one of the things that's different between now and 2014 is we didn't put the call out for help and half the amount of people went out of power, but it took us the same amount of time to get them back up. So with all this extra help and those other crews, you know, we're, we're had 20,000 or more out, but we'll have them all back up in about the same amount of time. So those crews really did um, save us. And we are very appreciative that Portland Central Lane um, and um, Sub, BPA, Patelco, those all folks all came and helped us out. And, that's what mutual aid is yeah. about, and if they ever need us, we'll be there too. Yep. Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day, Janine. I'll let you get back to helping um, get things uh, back to power, and I appreciate all the hard work that you has been doing to recover from this storm. We're going to switch over and uh, talk to some folks about the road system a little bit, but thank you for coming all on right. the Bo's Nose Show today. Thanks, Jay. Have talk a great holiday. Too. We'll talk to you soon. You Bye. too. Bye bye. Oren. Yeah, Jay. Yes, it is. Uh, I I hear you loud and clear. Good. So um, I just first I want to introduce the audience. This is Oren Schumacher, who is our road maintenance supervisor at Lane County uh, Public Works, and. been working a lot of hours over the last week and uh, had quite an evening last Wednesday. Uh, and I understand we got our last couple roads open uh, yesterday and today uh, in our system. Yeah, that's that's correct. We had uh, two roads that uh, remained closed uh, beyond residence, but were still access to a fair amount of timber operations. So we were able to uh, get those open uh, by uh, evening hours yesterday. Yeah, and that was, um, for uh, folks out there listening, that was Wolf Creek Road and uh, Battle Creek Road out beyond where the residents are, where they actually access forest land. And uh, I have a friend that lives out Wolf Creek Road, um, almost to, he's like the third to last house, and he had some dash cam video he took um, driving uh, a section of Wolf Creek Road uh, that he posted on Facebook, and it was five solid minutes of him trying to drive around trees. Um, it looked like um, pickup sticks out there, basically. 
every 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 like 50 feet there was a tree on the road so i understand why it took so long to get some of those roads open so real quick can you give um my listeners a rundown of just you know what kind of um damage lane county's road system saw and and what kind of response uh lane county had to go through to kind of get that cleaned up and and kind of uh, obviously we're kind of getting back to somewhat normal now other than um, there's a lot of debris that just got kind of set on the side of the road and now you got to go back and clean it up but run run down kind of um, how how bad this storm really was for Lane County. Well just so the listeners know I've been with Lane County for 11 years um, and in that time we've seen a fair amount of storms uh, following uh, starting in 2014 with the ice storm we had. Um, this one, it was more localized, but more impactful. Uh, the, the storm in 2014 was more countywide. We had stuff from Florence all the way to Oak Ridge. But the damage level is not going to be as much as this one provided. The amount of impact in the areas that were hit was pretty dramatic. And um, I'm kind of looking at the storm event in three phases that, you know, we're just um, closing up on getting trees. We moved back to fog lines, um, working with utilities to ensure that the power lines are out of the roadways. Um, and that's going to be phase one. We're just entering phase two here, probably starting uh, right after the Christmas holiday or maybe a day before. Where we're going to start looking at now we've got a bunch of trees and limbs that, you know, didn't hit the ground, but doesn't mean they're not safe. So we're going to have to have crews kind of triage how many trees we're going to have to take out and then right away clean those hanging limbs out. Uh, ensure that the roadways are safe and, and then we're going to enter phase three which is really picking up um, this excessive volume of, of, of debris and transferring it to stockpile sites to uh, process later so you know we're kind of in that triage phase it was one of the most impactful uh, storm events i've seen since i've been here in 11 years and uh, many of the residents have voiced the same and, and talking with the utilities uh, you know they were saying it's for them a 50-year event so uh, pretty dramatic yeah, yeah, and I just got off the phone there with Janine Parisi, and um, I don't know if you heard the very first part. She mentioned that so far they've tallied their damages at $4.2 million in just eWeb system. So that's... Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if you've seen the numbers that were submitted to the state, but they're estimating it to be around $8.5 million between all the combined agencies working on this right now. Wow, yeah. So that that's... And that's for folks... To make sure they're clear, that's the damage to public infrastructure. That's not counting the damage to private homes and businesses and and non-public infrastructure. You know, so that's all the public utilities and the public roadway systems, the city of Eugene, public works folks. Um, that's that's a pretty significant loss um, in in the course of basically. Uh, what was about a six-hour ice event that ultimately lasted a week. Um, so, yeah, there was there was quite, um, you know, it kind of took Lane County by surprise. You, you kind of ended up um, handling this initially um, and 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 starting to take some of the initial calls. Can you talk about what it was like on Wednesday evening uh, as, as you, you know? realized we were having uh the ice was worse than what the weather folks predicted yeah no that was an evening i'll never forget um we uh we pretty much went home normal hours anticipating that we would run swing shift and night shift de-icing crews and sanding crews 
just dealing with really road surface issues from freezing rain. We weren't anticipating the uh, the volume of rain and really what this turned into was not as much of a road event as it was a vegetation event. So um, we had planned for that. We had crews on board um, to do sanding and de-icing on our main roads to ensure people would have safe commutes in the morning. But within an hour and a half of, of leaving the office, it was apparent that was changing quickly um, with this ice starting to uh, stick to the trees. So we came back and operated what we call our uh, EOC at Public Works, which is really a makeshift operation where we've got uh, a mapping system called Works, which is a weather event and response coordination system where we can map these incidents as we get calls and track the progress on clearing them out. So we really had three people uh, manning cell phones, phones, and radio calls from the uh, Lane County Sheriff's Office. And um, there was a time where, you know, I wish some people could capture this moment when a cell phone in one ear, phone in the other ear, and a radio going um, between all three of us, um, each having a phone in our hand, one to the ear, and all manning a radio. So the calls were coming in at a rate that we couldn't keep up with, um, which was just something I've never seen before. And, uh, and, and it was, you know, pretty crazy calls. And at one point, you know, you had road crews out there that were clearing trees that were actually getting trapped by other falling trees and, and, you know, got a little dangerous for the crews out there Wednesday night for a while. Yeah. For the, for the people who don't know, um, the South Eugene area, which was kind of for us, the main roads that we have in that area that are county road systems are the Fox Hollow Road, uh, Macbeth, Lorraine Highway, um, South Willamette, was really one of the main epicenters. And we had initially, because of the call volume, sent three crews to that area knowing that we have a lot of timber up there, a lot of oak trees, a lot of trees that were potential to fail. So by the time they got there, it was already a mess. Um, and they started trying to clear those roads as quick as they could. Within, honestly, it was less than two hours. We had three crews, um, and to try to explain this to your listeners who these crews were, uh, one of the members out there had just come back from serving in Afghanistan and working for Lane County a couple of years ago. Uh, ex-Marines and a lot of uh, former loggers who were working on these crews. And I was getting calls from them at one point saying, this is not the place we need to be. We have to get out of here. At the same time, I was getting calls from EPUD, Lane Electric, saying, we're pulling our crews out. Um, we're going to sit idle for four to six hours and wait to go back. Because you could hear the sounds. As they called me, you could hear limbs and trees falling and this kind of shake in their voice that it was very serious and they had to go. So we said, yes, come back to the shop. We'll put a life crew out there just in case of life emergencies. And it still took them two hours to find a route out and cut their way as a team to get back out to a main line to get back to the county office. Wow. Uh, it's pretty hairy. And I, you know, and I spoke with, you know, friends. Um, I was real, we were real fortunate at our, our place. We didn't have much, much damage, but I had friends that were, um, you know, their husbands happened to be out of town. I was speaking to the wife, and they're scared to death because all they could hear was trees cracking and, and and the thuds, you know, the snap of the trees and the thud, you know, a couple seconds later. And um, pretty scary event. You know, they're worried whether their house was going to get hit and all that. Uh, it was pretty unsafe for a little while, but, you know, I think it was a, a wise decision to, um, you know, safety first for the crews. Um tell people to sit tight inside, you know, a structure where they've got some protection and uh, deal with it when they, you know, when they stop falling at least as fast and when you had some daylight to actually see what you could be doing. So I think it was a, a wise decision on your part to, to get the crews out of there. Um, may have frustrated some people that, you know, 
they weren't out there working all night to try and get their power back on. Um, but it was one of those things where, uh, for the safety of the electric crews, the safety of the road crews and all that, it was best to let the event finish for a little bit and then put the crews back out on the road. Yeah, I was just going to say, okay. you, you know, when you're out there and doing this work, one of the things you realize is that you're doing it to keep the public uh, safe and to ensure they have access and, and hopefully utilities through events like this. But at the same time, you're juggling the safety of the crews doing the work. And, you know, we work in coordinated with our sheriff's office, EPD, and the utility companies to have that communication. And it was pretty coming clear that everybody was, was pulling out of those epicenter areas, which were really three areas. We did keep crews running in. Cottage Grove, um, the west side of Anita, um, down in Dexter Pleasant Hill um, through the night, but um, definitely where it was hardest hit, we we pulled out for the, the remainder of that evening until uh, we could muster up crews to get back in the morning. Great, yeah, uh, it was yeah, it was really uh, really kind of a weird weird night, um, and, and for a lot of people, I, I know I didn't get a whole lot of sleep, um, and I wasn't in an I you know in an emergency operations center dealing with it in the moment like you guys did. I was just dealing with hearing from you guys what how severe this event was. Um, and, and frankly, out where I am here in Elmira, it wasn't as bad as it was, you know, just four or five miles away it made a big difference. It was a very um, interesting event that was very localized. And, and sometimes it was... Uh, you know, not so bad. We, you know, I never lost power for more than a minute at a time. Um, and uh, one of those things that um, you really wish, uh, you know, didn't happen, but it did happen. Interesting thing, though, is is I think this might give people a glimpse of what it would be like to prepare for the subduction zone earthquake or some other even larger event. Um, and maybe it might shock a few people into doing some emergency preparation. Uh, and then in the long run, um, maybe do a better job of thinking about what trees they plant and where they plant them and <laughs> all sorts of things that, that, you know, might help us for the future. And I'm sure that it'll be um, an opportunity for once the, thing, the dust settles for your agency and other agencies to get together and do a debrief and, and try and figure out, um, you know, what, what worked well and what didn't work well and, and get that all um you know, set up so, uh, you know, you would be able to uh, do a better job on the next next event that comes along. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt in my mind that you know, every one of these events teaches us some lessons, uh, shows us where we're strong and, and, and pinpoints those areas where we can improve. And um, I look forward to uh, sitting down with the utility companies, especially. Um, I, I see some some opportunities for the uh, public service agencies uh, from U City of Eugene to Lane County Public Works, coordinating better with the utility companies um, to improve efficiencies there. Also, our emergency responders, um, finding those channels to ensure we're talking to everybody, uh, and life safety measures in place. Um, learning how to juggle the resources amongst agencies because we can all support each other in a way that um, gets all the goals achieved that we're out there to do, which is keep everybody safe, keep power on, and make sure the access is there. So um, I can't wait for that yeah. moment. I'm sure we're going to have it in a couple of weeks after the new year, and um, we're going we're gonna to be able to work with each other to ensure that uh, next time we always do one step better. Great. Well, Orrin, I appreciate you taking a few minutes out of the, the Emergency Operations Center there and away from the crews that um, – 
let my listeners know how Lane County responded to the the ice ice Mageddon 2016, <laughs> and uh, and I and I just want to say I've nothing but yeah I've got I've gotten you know comments from friends on Facebook about seeing your crews out clearing roads and everything and about how hard they worked and uh, uh, good job to everyone there and we really appreciate the uh, the hard work and, and even the risk some of your guys are still taking out there. Uh, watch out for those widow makers hung up up there um, and uh, stay safe and, and thanks for all the hard work. Well, I appreciate the chance to get the information out and uh, we'll talk next time. All right. Thank you, Orrin. And we're going to thanks, move Jim. on in the discussion. Um, you're welcome. Uh, we're going to move on in the discussion of Ice Mageddon uh, 2016 and bring on the Lane County Assessor, Mike Coles, and talk about um, a little bit about the ability for folks to get some property tax relief um, if they've had storm damage. Uh, and it's something I wasn't aware of until Mike brought this up uh, in the meeting where we actually made the local emergency declaration. Mike, how are you doing Hi, this afternoon? Doing good. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, oh, uh, no problem. So tell us a little bit about this opportunity for folks. Sure. So the folks that are unfortunate to have damage to their real property, there is a uh, provision in Oregon law that allows for a paration of property tax dollars they paid in uh, the current tax year to be refunded back to them. And, uh, for example, if... Uh, uh, property had uh, a tree fall on the roof and did significant damage, what typically happens is the appraiser will go out to the property and um, uh, as a result of an application that's filed to our office and assess what damage occurred to the property and time the property is damaged, uh, the property owner will actually receive a proration uh, based on statute of their property taxes uh, based on the damage that occurred to their property. Well, that sounds like um, a program that's that's pretty interesting. Is is there um, a deadline to make application for that um, property tax relief? There is. Um, typically, it's 60 days after the event occurs, but since it's in the middle of the assessment year, the, it actually it's a later of the end of the assessment year, so it would be uh, June 30th, 2017. And I know it's really uh, people that have had damage to their properties, uh, especially uh, during this past storm, which has hit uh, people pretty pretty hard in Lane County. Uh, it's probably not on their minds, and I just wanted to make sure and get this thought out there that um, as soon as they are able to get um, the estimates procured and the property uh, settled and everything's you know, all okay at home, that they just make sure and fill out the application and uh, just take care of that one important part that they can save them a little bit of tax dollars. And our office will even, um, so we have an appraiser go out to the property anyways to do an assessment on the damage uh, for property owners that don't have power. I think they're still actually still property owners out there that are still lacking power will actually just bring an application with us they can fill out and the appraiser will hand deliver it to them. Yeah. 
So um, is there a telephone number that, that, that folks can call to, to get information about the process to get property tax relief? Sure. There's probably three main methods. One would be if they do have power to go to www.lanecounty.org backslash AT and this assessment taxation is made page. We put it on the splash screen that comes up right away and there's an application there for a proration. Um, you can also call uh, 541-682-4321 uh, during our normal business hours and uh, we'll uh, have an appraiser probably go out next uh, within one or two days after the call. Uh, another method would be to just email us at assessor at co.lane.or.us and um, we'll do our best to accommodate uh, all property owners that experience damage as soon as possible. And um, it's actually a, a program I just wanted to mention that uh, anyone who's experienced, quote, an act of God on their property, and this would be a uh, flood, a uh, fire, uh, the, the same statutes apply. So if someone had a, a property in the wintertime that had you know, something that's too close to the heater and had fire damage, uh, the same statutes apply. It's good to know, and I think, um, you know, there's a windstorm that, that, you know, was pretty localized that, that caused some property damage in the actual City of Anita area last year. I think there would be some folks that would, would have appreciated knowing about that proration um, yeah, back then. Wonderful. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. As much as I know about Oregon tax law, I wasn't even aware of this program, so I, I really appreciate the fact that you came to the, the special board meeting we held last Friday when we declared the local emergency uh, specifically to communicate uh, about that program. And I, and I was able to share your, um, your email about it uh, on Facebook around and got quite a few people that uh, reshared it out there in, in the social media world. And I think it got, um, it, it also, it, got retweeted and a few other things. So hopefully the word's getting out there, but I just was glad to have you come on the show today and, and uh, talk a little bit more about it. Um, I and appreciate it. is there any, any other information about the um, tax relief through proration um, that you want to let people know about out there? Oh, one piece, it's really hard for everyone to know the, the different statutes and a different uh, relief programs are out there. So if someone does experience a loss in their property and they aren't sure, it's, it's, it's just best just to call our office and to say, hey, you know, this event occurred, you know, is there a, is there a special assessment or is there a proration uh, that can help out in a, a time of crisis or uh, any other uh, natural event on properties? Um, the proration of taxes for act of God is just one of many statutes and uh, programs that are out there for taxpayers. So it doesn't hurt to ask or just look, check out our website. And we have a lot of good information on our website. So uh, Jay, I really appreciate yeah, um, yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things, you know, people always think that, you know, the county and, and government in general is we want to try and get the maximum amount of tax out of you. But that's kind of an inaccurate picture, I think. And, and you're, you've been really good about this is trying to explain to people we want to get the most accurate amount of tax from folks we don't which may mean it's less tax uh, in Definitely. some cases so 
Yeah. And I think one of the things, um, you know, I know you guys announced and it's uh, kind of getting in a little bit of different subject that you guys are going to be doing some uh, on-site assessments of properties in some Springfield neighborhoods where the variance in, in uh, appraised value versus market sales and all that has gotten too wide and, and uh, you're going to go back out and take a, a, a more property-by-property look to try and make sure the tax rolls are correct. and that can result in actually reductions in, in taxes also, um, which I think some people don't realize that that's really what you guys are after is for the most accurate tax roll you can get. And if somebody's had storm damage and their property is no longer holds the value it held before the damage, um, we want to tax you on the correct value of that property. And this program allows us to do that. So. I appreciate you making the board aware of that and the public aware of this um, because we really do want not to get the maximum value uh, uh, of taxation out of people. We want to get the correct value of taxation. Exactly. That's so important. The statutes uh, are are less on equalization than they used to be uh, before Measure 47 and 50 passed, but they're still very important. And it's just as important to make sure that anything that's over-assessed is properly assessed as, as properties that are under-assessed. And um, the, the clients that I see are not only the taxing districts, but, of course, the taxpayers, too. And um, the most important thing is just an accurate a role, assessment role. Yeah. And, and you guys, you know, if you, you know, want to take a minute, kind of describe what you guys try and do to make sure we do have an accurate assessment role. Just, just what does the, the the county's assessment taxation department do on, on an annual basis to try and work on those, those roles? Well, we're charged by statute to establish 100% of real market value in all property, uh, real property and business personal property in uh, Lane County. And we have about 177,000 accounts. And so as of um, uh, January 1st is the yearly assessment date in Oregon. Uh, the, the tax year goes from uh, July 1st to June 30th. So it's a little different than the assessment, year, uh, the, the assessment date. But every year we're charged with adjusting every property uh, from a manufactured structure to a, a substantial uh, chateau in the, in the in the um, in the country to 100% of real market value, and we don't look at all the properties. Uh, we have a fairly limited staff, so we use a, a, a mass appraisal model for most of the valuations that we don't get a chance to go out and look at. And primarily, it's using a, a modeling system and looking at all the sales that occur during the tax year, and using those sales to adjust properties. Uh, to that January 1st assessment date and doing that so in, in the most equitable way possible uh, with the, the data that we have and um, uh, the short time periods that we have. Uh, in addition to that, of course, we process the taxes after that as far as, so we actually then, I'm actually the tax collector also, so we would do the calculation for the taxes with the taxing districts and um, do the collection process uh, we just had our trimester first payment due date on uh, November 15th, um, and uh, so that's actually a large portion of the role too. Besides the assessment, is the tax collection side too. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I really appreciate what you guys do. Um, and I think, you know, 2008, uh, real estate market collapse showed that, you know, that, that establishing hundred percent of, of, of real market value, um, can actually mean you're going in the, in the other direction, not always in the, in the positive direction that, um, we saw our real market values actually falling in Lane County, um, for real estate for a couple of years there. So it was a, an interesting exercise, I'm sure in those years to set up those models and get those established. Um, and I know you're, your staff is pretty shorthanded and you manage to, to get it done every year and, and uh, you know, you get to, you collect taxes. And then one of the things people may not be aware of is, is, you know, there's only a few pennies, um, you know, basically anywhere from nine to 12 cents that comes to Lane County out of every dollar property tax dollar. The rest of it goes to the other hundred and is it 182 taxing districts in Lane County? 80, 80, 83 taxing districts, including Lane County, but we have about just over 200 some odd uh, tax code areas because there's different combinations of tax rates. But yeah. we uh, collecting on behalf of the 83 taxing districts. Um, it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a chore, and we have a great staff. I just really uh, blessed with the staff that we have here in assessment taxation because they work very hard to make sure that um, the statutes are properly followed and that we do the best work possible with the resources that we do have. Well, I, I appreciate the work you guys do. I appreciate you coming on and letting my listeners know about the tax relief program. And uh, I'll let you get back to the, the job of getting the tax rolls right. And and, um, and I want to thank you for taking the time to come in on the, the Bo's Nose Show today. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care. And thank you for having me. You too, Mike. Bye. Bye. So that's kind of the, the ice we get an update for the Bose Nose show. And we've got about 15 minutes left in the show, and I kind of purposely left them open because this is now your chance to call in to 646-721-988. Press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener, know you want to get in. And you can, you know, we can talk a little bit about the uh, the ice storm and emergency response and emergency preparedness, or any other subjects open to you. Because I know there are some of you out there that may want to talk about maybe Val Hoyle and James Manning and Senate District Seven and the decision around that. Um, particularly those of you that are Second Amendment supporters, feel free. This is your opportunity to get in and, and talk to me about that. Again, it's six four six. Seven two one nine eight eight seven. Just press one to get in on the on the show, and uh, we can talk about that. But I also wanted to spend a few minutes uh, as the last part of the show to use this ice storm to talk a little bit about um, personal emergency preparation, because I think any of you out there that lost power for more than twenty four hours now probably realize just how dependent your household is on electricity. Um, and those that lost it for more than 72 hours realize that the food in the refrigerator is not good anymore, the food in the freeze, freezer is becoming questionable, uh, and if you're out here in the country like I am, you haven't had your well for three days, uh, you don't have any hot water, uh, you know, how you, and, and temperatures were dropping below freezing at night, 
So your your livestock troughs were freezing up and you couldn't thaw them because you couldn't get hot water. Um, all sorts of problems you had to solve with this storm. It's a good chance to think about those things and think about what if that was 30 days. And I, and people go, what do you mean 30 days without power? Go back and read um, the resiliency plan for Oregon. You know, if you're Oregon resilience plan, Google that. And it talks about the subduction zone earthquake and the actual impact it's going to have. And for this portion of the Willamette Valley uh, where this ice storm hit, they're predicting that it could be 30 to 90 days before we get electricity back after the subduction zone uh, 9.0 earthquake, which we're overdue for by statistics, statistically right now. Um, and that that just think about that for a few minutes and how long you can go. And, and in this case, it was only, you know, maybe a quarter of the people in Eugene lost power and not all of them for a long period of time. So there's still places you could go, hotels that had power, you know, if you needed to stay overnight, or a friend's house you could go and get a hot shower, or the gym, you know. There were places you could go. This is everybody has no power for up to 30 days. Think about what you need to do personally to prepare for that situation. And if your preparation plan is, well, I'm going to get in my car and drive to where there is power, remember that the subduction zone earthquake is also going to take out transportation routes. And, it, you know, those bridges that aren't seismically sound are going to be down. And the gas station that you would get gas for your car <clears throat> is not going to be have power to pump the gas. And everybody else is going to have that same idea. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things where you're going to need to go at least long enough for the federal government to figure out a way into this area and to start evacuating people. And that could be just like this ice storm, seven to ten days before people start getting any serious amount of evacuation. Uh, you know, so just think about that. And think about the fact that um, you have vulnerable neighbors and it's shown up in this ice storm where you have that neighbor that's a senior citizen that really isn't prepared that you ended up bringing over to your house because you do have a fireplace and you do have the ability to carry and cut firewood because uh, you're able-bodied and, and you brought them over to keep them warm or um, you know, the, the family with the, the young child, you know, that you helped out during this ice, ice storm, there's still going to be those neighbors that aren't going to be as prepared as you. So you kind of got to think about whatever supplies you have, if it's for 30 days, it might only last 10 because you're going to probably be sharing it with two other families that didn't prepare, that you're probably not going to be willing to turn away. And think about things like your pets. You know, one of the things that, you know, was apparent to me was um, I I have ducks that I raise for eggs. Of course, the temp dropped and all their water froze. I was able to, because I still had my, my electricity, to get buckets of hot water and unfreeze their, their water so they have, you know, water, um, which for, for poultry is an important thing. Um, they drink a, an amazing amount of water. 
Uh, and, you know, I was fine. But what if I didn't have the ability to heat water and, and an event happened in the cold like that? You know, would, you know, would I lose my, lose my, my livestock? You know, that, you know, what about my dogs? What about my cat? You know, am I ready to keep all them? Um, and so uh, it, it's, uh, it's something to think about, this ice storm. Is is what if this had been the subduction zone earthquake, and what if it was even longer? You would have been in without power, and it wasn't just you; it was everybody. And, and think about that, and think about maybe getting your your own preparation done. Uh, think about things uh, around you, uh, like like your trees and things like that. Um, you know, next for the next ice storm, have you have you are you taking care of your trees? Have you got the right species on your property? You know, it might be time to cut down that, that birch tree that's close to your house that can't stand being bent in the ice. Um, you know, things like that. But I want to hear from you about, you know, how how'd you do in the ice storm and, and, and what are you doing to prepare or any other topic you want to talk about, you can call us here at the Bose Nose Show at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 to get in on the conversation. Or you can um, get to us online at talk at krbnradio.net is our email address. And I can, you, know, you can do that between shows if you like, if you're listening to this uh, pre-recorded uh, later in the week from the Internet. Or um, you can get to us on Facebook. Uh, we have a KRBN Internet Facebook, and you can messages, messenger us uh, on Facebook, and we'll get back to you that way. Uh, but, you know, this last couple minutes is an opportunity for you guys to call in and talk about what you want to talk about. We can talk about the gray ice storm. We can talk about the, the Senate seat appointment, or we can talk about... Um, the latest kerfluffle in Washington, D.C. with Donald Trump and, and uh, the, the, our current president trying to preempt any oil drilling in Alaska and things like that. There's all sorts of topics people can jump in on if they want to. Again, it's 646-721-9887 is the number for our show. And just press one. Let's rob in our call screener. Uh, want to know you want to get in on the show. And speaking of Robin. How, how did you guys survive over there in Springfield during Great Ice Mageddon? Uh, did you lose your power at all? Um, we, lost, uh, we lost power for about half hour, roughly. But um, as far as preparedness, we got flashlights. Uh, we have a backup heat source. And then push comes to shove, got the motorhome, which uh, the tanks are full on that. Yeah, that's always a good plan. And our RV makes a great... Um, Great preparation for or for base for events, but yeah, the one thing is you got to have enough fuel to keep that RV going for a while, and, and then it then it then it gets to the point where nobody has fuel anywhere in the subduction zone situation. So you got to be got to be kind of pretty pretty prepared and thinking things out. And uh, those of us that that camp for a hobby uh, have a leg up, uh, definitely. My camp stove and, and uh, a lot of bottled gas and, and all that helped help me be prepared to a certain extent, uh, including uh, all the warm clothing and, and outdoor gear that, that comes with being a camper. Uh, definitely keeps you prepared for living without electricity. 
uh, including the solar and power. One thing, people, one thing that a lot of people don't uh, well remember anymore is that when it gets really cold, to to go down at the furthest end of your house and let the water run. Yep. Keep your pipes from freezing. Just a trickle. Yeah. All, all you need to do is a little trickle. Yeah. In fact, I have a uh, we have a friend that's 97 years old and still living by herself. Amazing woman. And uh, her house had been without power, and she happened to leave to go to the coast. Um, she has a place over on the coast on, on Wednesday before the storm, and uh, so she kind of ended up down there where she had power the whole time. But I actually, um, as the storm, as the her power was out for days, and it was predicted to get below freezing, I got um, her spare key. Um, we went over there and opened her taps up just a little bit so that she wouldn't have come home to frozen pipes. Uh, definitely, when we went in that house um, on Saturday, it was colder in the house, I think, than it was outside. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's, people have to be you know, ready for things like that, uh, you know, at least in, in these kind of events for ice storms or whatever else, if you're out of power and you're on a municipal water system, that's one of the things you can do. Unfortunately, if you're out here in the country like I am, if you're out of power, you're out of water too. Um, yeah, and and if, I can't, point, give, if I can, I'd like to give a quick shout out in the last couple minutes. Um, sure. Specifically to, to thank Owen and the other emergency responders. I spent time myself uh, in the past out there in the cold, drugging traffic, helping out. Uh, the motels in the area uh, that actually gave discounts to people without power. Uh, kudos for them for for stepping up, and a lot of people that did step up to the plate to help others, you know, um, the unknown heroes and stuff. You know, really thank you for for you know, being there and coming together. Yeah, I, I I think an event like last week's ice storm um, really starts showing the the you know how good your community is, and I saw a lot of examples uh, and talked to lots of people how they. Uh, invited, you know, some friends over that they knew didn't have power and they stayed in their guest bedroom and they used the showers and they had, you know, were able to charge all their telephones and iPads and, and everything else, um, you know, and it was just a huge, you know, outpouring of help from neighbor to neighbor. Most, you know, most of the help we were able, that was given in this community was actually not given by the county or the Red Cross, um, it was given by neighbors, helping neighbors. And, and I just, I, I agree, a shout out to all of you that opened your homes, offered that sort of help to a neighbor, checked on an elderly neighbor. Um, kudos to you for, for, you know, being part of that community and helping our community survive an event like that. Because, you know, it's those vulnerable people, uh, the elderly, the folks with young children, people with medical issues, um, you know, physical handicaps and, and everything else that those are the folks, sometimes it won't reach out and, and sometimes that are isolated, uh, you know, particularly out here in the country where the driveway can be a quarter mile, you know, back to a house somewhere. Uh, and, you know, you, you're not within sight of each other's house. They may not know that they're the only house that doesn't have power. <laughs> And their neighbors still do. Exactly. Um, and, and they're, and another they're sitting awesome there with. Another awesome website to check out is one called flashalert.net. 
That's where a lot of schools and other emergency services will post um, like school closures, uh, anything going on in, in the uh, Lane County area. You'll, you know, this is where the news stations get it, so you can get it before the news. You know, it's flashalert.net. Oh, great. I'll have to remember that one for the future for myself. Um, I, I kind of get a lot of the news early just because I get updates from, from staff and, and a lot of the utility companies were good enough to share some of their information, which I generally shared out on Facebook as soon as I had it. How how grave some of the um, situation was, uh, like when our public works folks chose to pull our, our our crews off the road because of how dangerous it got. And I think you might have heard Orrin talking about that. Just you know, when you got at you know Iraq and Afghanistan veterans and loggers with their voices shaking about we need to get out of here. Um, that's pretty scary. <laughs> So, um, you know, kudos to those, kudos to those responders, you know, that were out there in that bad weather, uh, cutting trees back and getting the power back on. And kudos to the the, the police and the sheriff's department. But back again, the kudos to the neighbors that help neighbors. That that's the piece that is unsung, and you guys don't hear it. Uh, any of you out there that, that did anything small for a neighbor, really appreciate that. Um, it's really what makes the difference. And as we plan for future emergencies here in Lane County, planning to help your neighbors is really important. And uh, we're just about out of time here at the Bo's Nose Show. Next week will probably be... And uh, good night, and we'll talk to you later from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. This has been the Bo's Nose Show. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood.